0: business and buckets we are live episode 113 sheesh we out here end of 2022 prepping for 2023 the rebranding's on its way today rocking the new timbo sugar show merch i just thought this was a really dope uh t-shirt that represents sean o'malley and tim welch's podcast a podcast i like to tune into um Honestly, a podcast I saw take off and was like, you know what? It's time for me to do my own. COVID had happened. And your boy made it happen. Now, 113 episodes later, we got a lot to talk about. The last MMA card of the year. Actually, that's not true. We have Bellator at the end of the year. We'll talk a little bit about that. I will be taking a week off as I go to Montana for Christmas. i just prepping some rebrand to help... Launch the new MMA podcast and business podcast fresh in the new year in 2023. Then we will do um, just some uh, award recaps. I know the MMA hour will do a bunch of awards, see if we differ on any of those. The MMA awards were already given to the fighters at the MMA banquet. And then my favorite thing is we're going to predict who I think is going to be the champion in each division by the end of the year. See how I did on that last year? I haven't even looked at it. Um, I could tell you it's probably not good. Usman's out. Adesanya's out. Uh, you know, Brandon Moreno, I think I had in there. So that's already 0 for, you know, 0 for 3 right there. Uh, so, so tough break. But anyways, lots to talk about on the show today. Super pumped to talk some, some UFC action. But before we do, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at Business and Buckets, and that is fueled supplements. With the New Year, uh, with the New Year starting, summer is right around the corner. That means less clothing and bathing suit days on the water, unless you're here in Arizona. You can you can get the bathing suit out in the water. It's high sixties, low seventies. But uh, summertime will be here before you know it. Get your summertime shine with fueled supplements, advanced thermogenic, and feel good formula. Showtime. Showtime contains the only two clinically tested and patented ingredients. Scientifically proven to enhance thermogenesis. Besides fat burning, Showtime also helps increase energy, boosts mood, provides a sense of euphoria, suppresses appetite, enhances mental clarity, focus, and concentration. So, for optimal results, stack with Counterattack. Get yours exclusively at fieldsupplements.com. Again, a lot of purchasing going on right now. I just bought some gifts online. Support small business, right? Instead of the Amazons, go shop small business, help them out. In this case, for supplements, instead of GNC, Amazon, just check out Field Supplements, right? High quality products, good pricing, gets to you quick, and it helps small business, helps, you, helps uh, Josh Morin and crew. So, enough about that. There's been a lot of fights that have been announced over the past week. We have Holly Holm booked against Yana Santos. That's a new last name. It used to be Yana Kuniskaya. High-quality fight there. Great to see Holly Holm back in the octagon. Andre Muniz, a guy that had a huge win, has a ton of momentum, fighting a young prospect, Brendan Allen, which is just going to be all chips on the table. The winner here is really pole vaulting themselves into an amazing opportunity. So high, high high-class matchup there. We get Andre Feely versus Lucas Almeida. Mario Batista on an, a, a great run, taking on Guido Canetti. And probably one of the more intriguing matchups, we have Marvin Vittori squared up with Roman DeLidzi, who's been on a tear, showed off his ground game, UFC 286. I mean, Roman's knocking on the door for a title run. You, you get a nice win against Marvin Vittori, you're on your way. Plus, he could prove that he can uh, beat a, a high-level grappler in the Italian dream. Derek Lewis is rebooked against Sergey Spivak. That was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago. Glad to see that still happening. Uh, Joel Alvarez versus Zubaira Tukagov. And this just shows you how deep that lightweight class is. Joel Alvarez is a fucking problem. He is, you know, suffered some losses to some high level competition, but still a problem. This is going to be a high quality fight. Excited to see Joel in his career as he goes from, um, you know, fight to fight. And you see Cody Garbrandt booked. You almost don't know if it's actually going to happen. Supposedly, he's going to Dagestan, try to work on his grappling, but he's going to uh, fight Julio Arce next year. A low-key banger right here. I mean, anywhere Chidi Nokwani is, it's going to be a banger, but he's taking on Albert Duraev. Definitely a clash of styles, but it's a fight that I'm super excited about. Again, a lot on the table for these guys to really have an opportunity to move up and not fade to the bottom of the rankings. Augusto Sakai versus Dantel Mays. Augusto Sakai is desperate in desperate need for a win. Um, this could be his UFC life on the line. OSP, Ovince Saint-Peru, and Felipe Lins rebooked. That was a short-notice fight that was supposed to happen. Couldn't happen, but now it's happening in 2023. We have Lena Landsberg and Myra Myra Bueno Silva. And then one book today, it, it's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon in the desert, but we have the very hyped prospect, Aaron Blanchfield, taking on Talia Santos February 18th. I mean, are you kidding me? Aaron Blanchfield to the top of the rankings. You get a win here. She is clearly fighting for the title, and she is like 23 years old. But when you could beat someone like Meatball Molly, not take any strikes, put her in a crucifix, apparently the UFC brass said, we need to give her the best of the best. We're not slow playing this at all. And then a very hyped fight going on UFC 284 in Perth, Australia. Robert Whitaker versus Paula Costa is not a done deal. Supposedly the fight is off. You know, there's a few ways to see this. I don't know the specifics. I haven't done the recon. But you see, you know, like the, the pivot went in with Dana White in his war room. People were able to zoom in, see the fights. They, they listed out all the fights. Most of those fights happened. A fight that wasn't that was on there that had been rumored that didn't happen was Nate Diaz comes at Chimaev, and a lot of the times with fights like this, what they do is they will announce them knowing that one party's okay with it or they're close to an agreement, which puts pressure pressure on the fighters to accept the fight. And the UFC is probably thinking, you know, we'll find a way, we'll wiggle a way in, whether we got to pay him more, you know, whatever the requirements are to make this fight happen. You know, it's Paulo Costa's last fight on his contract; they're giving him a high level opponent. So if he does want to renew with the UFC, he's going to have high stock. he get paid a lot. Seems like he's not really interested in that. Um, and he had clowned that this was never official, fake news, blah, blah, blah. You know Paula Costa on his social media. Well, um, that's how I think it played out. I think the UFC announced it a little early, figured they would get the deal done. Didn't get done. Paula Costa is a clown. He wants to, to talk about how all this was. But it helps the UFC kind of put the ball on their court. And it helps sell tickets. UFC 284 headlined by the amazing Islam Makachev and Alexander Volkanovsky, Robert Whittaker, Paula Costa. You got the guys from the, you know, the neighborhood on the card. That's going to sell some tickets. So um, obviously a wrench in their plan. We'll see what ends up happening. They're saying Robert Whittaker isn't even going to fight here, which is ridiculous because he was supposed to fight Singapore. That didn't happen. I just feel really bad for Robert Whittaker. He deserves high-level high opponents. He gets to fight Izzy, but nobody else wants to fuck with him because Bobby Knuckles is a fucking problem, and I think he would have made slight work of Paula Costa, but there's potential. It could have been a banger. We would have saw some 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 big-time uh, back and forth, but uh, that, that's how I see it, how it had played out. And I haven't seen a ton on this, but Jamie Malarkey posted on social media he is asking for a new opponent for UFC 284, which is also the Perth card. He was fo- supposed to fight Nazrat Haparast. An amazing fight that would have been. Um, Nazrat's had a pull in and out of a few different fights, so you know I'm not too surprised. Uh, but this is a big damper to the card. You take that fight off, you know maybe they find another opponent for Jamie. You, you take Robert Whitaker off the fight. I mean, brutal hits to a card that would have started the year off. What the bang? But you got Volkanovski, you got Islam. Probably the most hyped fight. I would say besides the Israel uh, Pieta too, I mean, Leon Edwards, Usman's there, but I just really do think Usman's going to win, where with the Izzy fight, there is a chance that Pieta reigns champion. So um, other than that, the UFC had removed Dolce Lingambula. He had lost to Edmund Shabazian. I think he's on a three or four fight losing streak. He is no longer with the UFC. Still a problem. I'm sure he'll find himself with another promotion, make some bread guy is shredded and Bryce Mitchell viral video of him saying he doesn't ever want to feel like this. I want to retire. He got his ass whooped. blah, blah, blah. I think that's a lot of spur of the moment emotion. Um, but also just shows to me, you know, he's had a lot of wins in his UFC career. He's not really wanting to, you know, have that killer mentality, that champion mindset. And he never probably will be. Um, and I don't know how much he enjoys this. It's just a, a source of income for him. He was able to now do the rapping and whatever, and he could kind of live off that brand. But um, I was bummed to see it just shows you the mindset. You know, for me, if I see a fighter with that mindset, he's never championship uh, material. But just shows you how good Ilya Topiri is as well. But Some kind of, I was shocked about the video, to be honest. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Mitchell just said, fuck, fuck it, I'm done. Um, elsewhere in MMA, Diego Sanchez making his BKFC debut. And all I could think about when I see this is just CTE, man. I mean, this guy has been in some wars, blood everywhere, definitely did not look good in his last few UFC fights. Now he's going to BKFC. He's probably gonna get a big paycheck doing it. But golly, man, can someone just get Diego out of mixed martial arts, get him to jujitsu, you know, let him do other ways, cause This is just not good. I'm not excited about that at all. Well, I watch it. Absolutely. I just, I hate to see it. I hate to see it. But I love to see this. Zion Clark, born without any legs due to a rare birth disorder, wins his MMA debut. And to be honest, you watch the video, it just looks painful. Um, Wrestling in Montana, I wrestled some interesting people whether they had some disease they were born with or whatever it is. And it is not fun and comfortable for the other opponent. Um, this guy is shredded up top and how he moves. He's got the takedown. You know, the guy is, like, hunching over to, like, try to get him in range. It's like, okay, can you kick him? Like, how do you even attack a guy like that? Super awkward. But for Zion to overcome the circumstances with half a body, basically, I mean, golly, man. What a fucking, like, just mental fuck you. I'll find a way. And everyone says, I can't, I will. I can and I will. That's something I say a lot. I can and I will. Zion Clark, man. Golf claps. Bravo. Bravo. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But we have the last UFC card for 2022 UFC Fight Night Vegas 66. I went 9 3 on my picks in this card. Uh, some fights we didn't break down, but some good wins. Corey McKenna, underdog, called it, just saying. And Rafa Garcia with a good performance in the prelims. But we're going to start with Sergey with who had a unanimous decision over Journey Newsom. And this was a clash of styles, right? You get the da- Dagestani-type guy, wrestler, Morozov just came in, put it to Journey. Journey did have a couple good shots here and there, but it was, you know... I, I, I bragged about how good the matchmaking was on this bout and there was amazing matchmaking. I still enjoyed the fights a lot, but a lot of fighters went to the, to the wrestling well and went to a heavy and Sergei being one of them, he was going to smother journey, tire him out, find a way to victory. And, uh, the benefit of doing that when you're a fighter that can wrestle like that, does it win a bunch of fans? Is everyone hyped for your performance? No, but it racks up a win. You incur no fucking damage. And he could come right back into the octagon and fight again, you know, uh, at the very beginning of 2023. You could string some wins together. Plus, you're not taking any damage. You could only take so many shots. He avoided that. So there's a, a few different ways to look at it. Statistically, Sergey landed 65 total and 30 significant strikes with six takedowns, although it was 13 attempts. So, you know, journey battled. And Journey landed 49 total and 26 significant strikes. So almost the same volume. And he was 0 for 2 in his own takedown attempts. So Sergey now extends his winning streak to two, both this year. He is 2-1 two in 2022, the calendar year. And Journey starts a new losing streak. He is 1-1 one one in 2022 and 1-3 and in the UFC overall. You know, these guys are in bantamweight, just like lightweight, deep as shit. Uh, not a lack of skill in this division, no matter where you are. Because maybe if you're outside the top 15, it's a bunch of young guys clawing their way in that will eventually be in the top 15. Or some journeyman guys that just weren't championship material but are still a fucking problem and are going to be around for a while. So for Sergei, I would love to see him with Kyler Phillips, Arizona MMA lab uh, OG here in the desert. Or Montel Jackson. And for Journey, if he is on the UFC roster, he could take on Jay Perrin who just lost to Raul Rosas jr. Moving on. Uh, Again, the fact that this was in the prelims, I I was really shocked. Uh, You know, the UFC typically doesn't give flyweights a ton of love, unless it's Brandon Morego, Divison Figueredo. Uh, But Manel cop with a unanimous decision over David Dvorak, and the key moment here was just the fucking out-of-the-gates scramble mess that the, the, the fight started off with. It was... David circling how many times? I don't know. I think he circled the octagon 10 times in round one, avoiding the pressure and power potential that Manel Cop has, and that's just not going to do well. But then he finds an opening, gets a takedown. I'm like, oh, okay. He's on top of Manel. That's not a strong suit. But Manel gets in a deep, and I mean a deep Kimura attempt. I thought it was going to be done. You know, 10 seconds left. You could really see the pressure on the shoulder. I mean, it was far back locked in deep, but David pushed the pace, got through it, uh, got knocked down, got pieced up on the feet in round two. And uh, it's pretty crazy that this ended up going to a decision. But, you know, the problem when you fight a guy like Manel, not a lot of flyweights have get you the fuck out of the octagon power. He is one of them. He's the star boy. Um, So you got to be careful. You got to change up your game plan. You can't come straight at him. But there wasn't a lot of attempts by David to really put himself in a position to be in control of that fight. Um, a lot of movement circle tire yourself out. Then you're in a submission attempt. Then you're getting pieced up, uh, throughout the rest of the fight. But David landed 55 total and 33 significant strikes. He did have two takedowns in uh, three attempts. So pretty successful there. And Manel landed 67 total and 58 significant strikes with two submissions, a reversal and a knockdown. Um, David now extends his losing streak to two, both of them this year. He also lost to Methus Nicolaus, a very good competition. He does drop one spot in the rankings to number 10. And Manel extends his winning streak to three. He moves up three spots to number nine in the rankings. So, flyweight's interesting. Um, you know, it's it's like a lot of divisions. It's kind of, you know, log jammed up at the top. Kopp definitely has star power. I would say put him up against Matt Schnell, but that just seems like a fight that will not happen. Cape or Schnell will list... Miss weight has, they have done that multiple times. Someone pulls out to injury. So I'm not even going to put that out there. I'm going to go with Brandon Rodog dog Roy Vol, because he is always game. He's down, even though he's a uh, lower ranked, that's a big win that could pull vault you up into the championship contention and, and potentially leapfrog other guys that are sitting there waiting. And for David, a showdown with Tagir BeKov, that would be a fun one. Make that ish happen. Moving on, we had Renat Fakradinov with a unanimous decision over Brian Battle. Again, a clash of styles. Brian, ultimate fighter champion, underdog, a guy who they thought was one of the least capable in the house, ends up winning the show and continues to have success in the UFC, beating the favorite Treshawn Gore, who had a he had a fight in the UFC because of injury pulled out of the show. And Brian was on his way very long guy uses his length will push you up against the cage puts his weight on you you know he used to be a really heavy set guy so he has a big frame or or not wasn't having it he went to the wrestling well and it was three rounds of grind you the fuck out good luck brian if you do get up i'm taking you down again and welcome to the world of grappling mma grappling you know could i say the world of wrestling yes but mma grappling is a lot different some guys are very good in mma or at wrestling, but they can't quite figure it out in the MMA, in the octagon, with the cage, with the gloves, all the different things, the nuances. But when I say these guys are going to the wrestling well, Sergei Morozov, Fakardinov, they're straight wrestling. When you're a wrestler, you're not worried about getting struck. You're not worried about the guy's back hitting against the cage. But when you go in for a double leg or a single leg, you don't just pull up if you don't get it. You go, right, they, they kind of sprawl their hips out and you give up. No, it's I'm fucking going again. And if I don't get that, I'm going for the left single. If not, I'm going for a, a side against the cage, a sweep. It's continue, continuous and relentless takedown attempts. That's true MMA grappling. And you see a lot of high-class wrestlers in the UFC that come in, they, they kind of have a deep attempt. The fighter's good. They've been practicing all camp. They sprawl out of it and they just give it up. That's just the first part of a takedown. Now go to the side. Try for that single, you know, climb the pipe. Okay, your back's up against the cage. You know, how can I get the side control, sweep you, do, you know, there's so many things that you could string off of a takedown in MMA for good wrestlers. They will not give up on one attempt. It's at least three or four, if it has to be, unless you're taking down Darren Till, apparently it can be just a quick one and Till just gives up. Anyways, um, Renat landed 102 total and 43 significant strikes. Almost all of those down on the mat. He did have seven takedowns and nine attempts, so quite successful. Uh, Brian's going to have to shore that up, and he had the knockdown. Brian only landed 25 total and three significant strikes. He was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts, so very lopsided, 25 total to 102. Again, a lot of that was just controlling Brian and uh, you know some ground and pound. So Brian had a nice seven-fight winning streak come to an end. He is now a 3-1 in the UFC. And you could tell Brian, you know, he's going to be a student. He's like, hey, you know, this is a huge learning lesson. I'm thankful for it. I'm sure you're on your high horse a little bit. And uh, he he probably needed some of that adversity. Renat extends his winning streak to 19. Again, though, Brian may have suffered his first UFC loss, but this guy is going to be a problem. 19 fight winning streak. He is 2-0 in the UFC. So give me Renat, give me Jeremiah Wells, and give me Brian Battle and Gabriel Green those are straight-up bangers and uh, definitely need to be booked. Then we had the Battle of Saeeds. We had Saeed Nirmagomedov with a second-round submission via guillotine choke over Sayid Akub, Kakar And I don't know a lot about Kakar I know that Umar had beaten him in, I think it was PFL or Bellator just because Saeed's a Gomedov, he is not the blood kin of Khabib and the other Nurmagomedovs, but he is a Gomedov that can grapple and wrestle, and you expect that to be the, the recipe because that's all I've seen with these guys in the UFC, right? And he trains with them. Well, Kakaromanov brought the fucking grappling straight to Saeed. I mean, boop, fight starts. He comes in with the big left straight to the hips. Straight goes for it. The problem with Saeed is they're not, you know, you get in a... If you're going to sell yourself for a takedown like that, what I mean by selling yourself is I got the opponent, both arms, head way up on the side. I'm just forcing everything with my shoulder, my leg power to get your ass down. When you sell out like that 100%, it leaves your neck open for guillotine chokes. Right up against the cage, Saeed's got this fucker locked in. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, he, he's really good with the guillotine choke. Somehow... Kakramanov was able to get out of it. Second round, same thing. Boom! Right off off the bell, goes for the takedown, gets a big shot in, fucks up Saeed a little bit, Uh, but then he finds a way into a guillotine choke. So definitely Saeed was on his way to be down two rounds, but found a way to get the fucking choke. And you would think Kakramanov would have known that, and you would think that after round one and being in that tightly, you know, although it wasn't full guard on the ground tight, I probably ain't fuck with that again, but uh, not a a lot of volume landed here. It was 21 total and seven significant strikes by Nurmagomedov. He had three submission attempts and was 0 for 2 in takedowns. Uh, Kokromanov landed 32 total and 11 strikes. He did have five takedowns, although 12 attempts. You know, you're trying to wrestle a guy with a grappling background, and he had a submission attempt. So Saeed is on a four-fight winning streak. He is 3-0 this calendar year. It's another Nurmagomedov Gomedov with a pristine streak. He stays at number 15 in the rankings. And Kakramanov has his four fight winning streak come to an end. He is two and one in the UFC, but definitely looks like a potential problem, and I'm sure we'll be in the top 15 in no time. But what's next for the Saeeds? Give me Nurmagomedov, Chris Gutierrez, fresh off the good win, higher up in the rankings, and Kakramanov versus Victor Henry. Would love to see that matchup. In the main card, we had Michael Olegshuk with a first-round knockout over Cody Brundage. This was the first fight I had picked wrong. And uh, I wasn't very confident in it, to be honest. Uh, performance of the night by olegshuk you know, easy knockout. It was just a clean shot. I mean, there's not a lot to say here. Cody only landed one total, in, one total strike, and he had three takedowns. So he was, you know, going to that wrestling well. Had a lot of control time. They got back up. Oleg landed a clean shot. He only threw 25 total and 15 of those significant, plus had the reversal that got him back up to his feet. So Michael extends his winning streak to two. He's 2-1 two in 2022. Cody starts a new losing streak. He is 1-2 on the opposite end of that for the, for, the, for the calendar year. I would like to see Cody take on Dustin Stoltzfus, while Michael could take on Wellington Terman. I think that would be a very, very intriguing matchup. I do like Mister Wellington Turman. He has a lot of potential. Then the fucking people's main event, Golly, Drew Dober, the Crimson Chin, second round knockout over Bobby Kingring, fight of the night. I mean, Bobby's hands, man. He is like an old Western cowboy down at my belt, all fucking on on the fastest draw in the West. You know, he's just egging Drew. Drew tries to take a step in, pop, pop, pop. Three to four shots by, you know, Drewber's one or two. And he was taking a lot of damage. His nose is all bloodied up. Even when he tries to cut Bobby off, puts him up against the cage, he's eating shots, he's eating shots. And, you know, I have a parlay alive at the time. And I'm like, man... If Drew's going to win this fight, he's got to just eat some shots and find a way to fucking get into range. After a lot of volume in round one, Drew did that. He said, all right, I'm going to take three or four. His left jab is fucking quick as hell. I'm probably going to have to, you know, take two or three shots. But I'm getting in with my power. He landed a clean one right on the chin, and it put the lights out. I mean, golly, though, just two, you know, a round and a half of just fucking going. It was constant go, no fucking bullshit, and Drew ate some shots, man. I mean, he took a lot of damage. I don't think a lot of people could handle that, but he just could not match the speed. Bobby's hands are so goddamn fast, and he is so good at just sliding out of range. It was a very fun fight, and it was intriguing. It was interesting to see how Drew was going to pull it off, and, and it's, it's the only way you can. It's like, you got to take some damage to deliver some to get in that range, Um. Drew only landed 34 total and significant strikes. He did have a knockdown. He was 0 for 1 in takedowns. Bobby, more than double that, he landed 75 total and 73 of those significant. He was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts as well. Drew extends his winning streak to three all this year. Good calendar year for Drew Dober. He enters the top 15 again at number, fifth, at number 14 in the lightweight division. And Bobby extends his losing streak to two. He was 1 and 2 in 2022. Losses to Drew Dober and Islam Makachev on short notice. So, what's next for these guys? Give me the Crimson Chin and Jalen Turner, just like he called for. I don't know if that's a good matchup for it. He wants it, though. Fucking give it to him. A high level prospect to the guy that's been through it. I, I think it's a win win. And for Bobby, give me Drakar Close or Joel Alvarez. I think those will be great matchups. I can actually. I said that, and Joel Alvarez was booked, right? He was booked against Zabir, so I guess it must mean that let's get him Drakar close. Then we had the fight that I thought was going to be the hardest to pick. I thought this was so even on paper. Alex Caceres. I guess it's not Caceres. The everyone else says it's Caceres, but it's Caceres. First round TKO over Julian Arosa. Performance of the night. And Julian was pushing the pace coming at Alex, but there was very even exchanges. I mean, this fight didn't last very long. Very even exchanges until it wasn't. This fucking delayed left fucking punch, left high kick. I don't know, maybe less than a handful of UFC fighters could pull that off. He comes in, all of his power into a left shot. So as a fighter, you've ate it or you blocked it and you're sitting there. And he's still moving forward, like holds the kick, boom, right up to the house, fucking clean shot, kill shot, knocks out Julian Arosa, brutal loss for Julian. He's been on a tear, really revived himself, but huge, huge win for Bruce Leroy. It only took Alex 16 total insignificant strikes. He had that knockdown. Julian landed 10 total insignificant, and this is where my parlay ate shit. I knew I shouldn't have picked this fight. But as the week went on, I was more confident about Orosa winning. But Alex uh, starts a new winning streak. He's 1-1 one one in the calendar year and re-enters the top 15 right at number 15. Julian has his three-fight winning streak come to an end. He's 2-1 and one in the calendar year. For these guys, give me Bruce Leroy and Billy Q, who just had a big win. And then let Julian take on the other opponent, Alexander Hernandez. Those would be amazing fights. The cardio king bruce leroy arosa alexander hernandez in a new weight class must see tv make it happen then this fight i mean i just you know multiple short notice opponents you throw in alessandro Costa, and he battled but amir albazi third round tko just pretty much clean house with alessandro uh took him down and manhandled him he was Able to last to the third round, but he finally just wore on him and was able to find the finish. Um, Amir landed, I mean, this was like a minus 450 favorite with the short notice fill in, but Amir's a problem, man. He landed 62 total, 37 of those significant. He had a takedown, although in four attempts. So, um, you know, uh, Alessandro definitely battled. He did have two knockdowns. And Alessandro landed 38 total and 17 significant strikes of his own. So Amir extends his winning streak to five. He is 4-0 in the UFC. He moves up one spot in the rankings to number seven. And Alessandro, he starts a new losing streak. He is 1-1 in the UFC. But bravo for taking this fight. You know, I was thinking, like, how did this conversation go down? His manager's like, hey, Alessandro, do you want an opportunity to change your fucking life and make some serious cheddar? Like, tell me more. Amir Al-Bazi. Like, motherfucker. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Um, You know, props to him. I just, uh, you know, this was a, a lopsided fight to begin with. So Amir, I definitely think needs a step up. He's, you know, obviously didn't get a step up here. Was supposed to fight a pretty good opponent, if I remember right. But give him a step up. Give him Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell probably won't show up. Probably wouldn't take that fight. But that would be a great skill level adjustment to see where he stands and if he's ready for the big dogs. And for Alessandro, let him square up with CJ Vergara. Give the guy a chance. He deserves to be in the UFC after that. And this is the fight that I feel like not everybody, not unless you're a diehard MMA fan, you're just like, eh, kind of whatever. You probably knew about Armin uh, Tsarukian, Tisar, but not a lot of guys know about Demiris Mugulov. I am high as shit on both of these guys. I think both of these guys could beat damn near anyone in the division. And they're ranked top 15, but n- they've never fought top five guys, and I think they can. And it sucks that someone had to lose here. And, you know, um, Demir, he has a combat Sambal background, very good. Um, Armin Young, Young Bull, he said, you know what? I'm just going to wrestle my way. Demir is talented everywhere. I don't want to fucking take a chance. I am going to sell out on that MMA grappling like I was talking about. I'm stringing three, four opportunities to go. And Demir battled, man. Although he lost a unanimous decision, his takedown defense, the way he was able to get back up, it was just flawless. If you want a video of how to get up, how to shuck takedowns and how to last against the cage, yes, did uh, 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 Armand get the takedowns? Absolutely. Did he inflict a lot of damage? Not at all. And did he lose the striking... um, exchanges absolutely i think if demir could have landed like the sean o'malley yon fight two big moments a big knee or a cut or something he could have he could have got the decision and i, I like i said i hate that someone had to lose this fight because i do like both fighters but dude armin's a fucking problem he, he's going to improve on his feet demir is the best version of himself some of the best takedown defense in the ufc but armin was able to to find a way And I hate that it was mostly wrestling, but it was still high-level MMA, and I enjoyed watching it. And if you're a real MMA fan, you'll take the nuances out of that and and the textbook performances there, too. High, high high-level performance. Armin landed 50 total and 34 significant strikes. He had seven takedowns but 21 attempts. So, you know, Demir was doing work out there, and that's that's exhausting when a guy just sells out on wrestling like that. And Demir landed 51 total, 36 significant, so a little bit higher volume, pretty even. Uh, but he was just half in a battle, man. I mean, when a guy just sells out like that, you know, uh, it's just three rounds isn't a lot when they're just throwing you 21 takedown attempts. Armin starts a new winning streak. He's 2-1 and one in the calendar year. I think he should be 3-0. and oh. I had him winning the Mateusz Gamrot fight. Uh, Demir has his 19 fight winning streak come to an end. He ends the calendar year one and one. Both men stay at nine and 12 respectfully. And it's hard to say what's next for these guys. Uh, No one wants to fuck with them. You know, especially that performance with Armin. Everyone's like, uh, he's just going to wrestle me the whole time. Um, A a savage that I think would take the fight though. Armin to Sarukian and Rafael Fazive. I mean, come on. And then Demir, a guy that will probably be game, new into the rankings, give him Grant Dawson or Rocato Money Moikano. Moikano wants the money, you got to fight Demir Ismugulov. Either way, there's not a lack of fights in the top 30 fighters in the lightweight division. And then we had the main event. Jared Cannoneer with a split decision over Sean Strickland. And this was a fun fight, I mean... I thought it would get a little bit more tense and just, you know, fuck you, vicious. But Sean Strickland just came off a huge knockout loss, and he can't fuck around. And he was very defensive. He was in your face, but he wasn't too much in your face. He was just his a brilliant slide-away defense from all that sparring and was able to keep Jared Cannonier at range. And much like the Drew Dober-Bobby Knight fight, like if you wanted to get into his range, you had to take a couple of those jabs and a couple of those peppered shots by Strickland to get in. But the one thing that I still rattle my head around is Jared, the the first round and a half, first two rounds maybe was landing some good leg kicks. And I think that paid dividends and got him the, the, the victory here. But why not go to it more late in the fight? He completely went away from it. Besides maybe, I think there was two kicks in the fifth that Sean ended up checking, but, um, I, I really think if he would have just fucking sawed off on that leg because the way Sean comes at you and gets in that kicking distance, he probably could have won the fight by TKO by legs because that shit was getting chopped up. So I'm not too sure why why they didn't focus on that more. Uh, Sean's corner of the whole fight said, hey, that straightaway teep kick because when Jared's trying to come in and close range, boom, you can land some big shots, do some damage to the body. It's going to make him think about that. Not only are you giving him a teep kick, but then you're also giving him that, that nice jab, um, you know, he didn't throw a lot of combos. I thought I thought Sean, once he was starting to fill himself in the third, needed to have, instead of two shots, four or five shots. Followed up. Land some damage. And he was just super hesitant. Um, that's what a knockout from Alex motherfucking Pieta will do to you. You're going to second-guess things. Now you got Jared Cannoneer, ex-heavyweight, ex-light heavyweight. Looks fucking shredded standing in front of you. Uh, you're probably going to be a little gun-shy, too. You can't blame him. As tough as Sean says he is. It is what it is. I actually scored the fight for Sean Strickland. It was very close. That's why I say can't uh, leave it to the judges. I know he had a rant on Instagram. Um, I thought he won more rounds. I thought he was uh, controlling the octagon, had more volume. Again, it was pretty fucking close, though. Um, I think I gave Sean the middle rounds that the judges didn't. Um, But it is what it is, man. Um, You got to do more. You want to win? You got to do more. Can't be gun shy. Statistically, Jared landed 141 total and significant. Sean landed 157 and 152 of those significant. So you could see statistically, even over the fight, uh, Sean had more volume. Plus he had that takedown. I think that one on the round, I think that was round three. Um, I, I was surprised it was a, a Jared Cannonier decision, but I'm happy about it as a, as a fight fan. You know, I always feel weird in the fights. Now I'm doing this podcast. I'm giving you guys my picks, my thoughts. And I want him to stand true like, yeah, I fucking know what I'm talking about. Plus, I put some parlay bread on that. So I got my UFC podcast Shane, the parlay Shane, the prop bet Shane, and then you got the fight fan Shane. Well, I had money on Jared. I really, as a fighter, wanted to win. I picked him on the MMA podcast. But sometimes, like, I pick Sean, right? Jared wins. And I feel bad because I I picked Sean here, but, you know. As a fight fan, I'm happy. So it's funny how that you know you get like those three little people sometimes. Um, I picked it for Sean in the moment. I was pretty pretty positive he's going to win. He didn't. I felt kind of weird, but I was like, hey, I'm happy for him. Um, Jared starts a new winning streak, and Sean extends his losing streak to two. Both men stay at their number three and seven spots. So where do these guys go next? Well, I think Jared and Marvin Vittori would make a lot of sense. Um, the, the, both of these guys have fought a lot of people in the division, unless he wants things to shake out, but he didn't take a lot of damage. I think he get back in there sooner than later. And, uh, Sean can fight Paula Costa. Paula Costa's not going to fight Robert Whitaker. All right. You're going to fight fucking Sean Strickland last fight on the contract. If that's not a, uh, an option, maybe the winner of, uh, Kelvin Gastelum and Imavov Nasr Dean Those guys, it's a huge fight. A winner there, give them a chance to the top 10 opponent, get back up in the rankings. That makes sense to me. But a great fight night card. I love the matchmaking. Again, the way it played out, a lot of wrestling-heavy attacks. Armin, wrestling-heavy, obviously, Amir. Um, The Saeed fight, uh, Renat fight, and Morozov fight. So... It just gives you a different feeling. When you have straight fucking action, Drew Dober-like fights, you just got a different feeling. I've watched a lot of these and been to them in person and you hype up a card and you think of a way it'll play out and it plays out a different way, you still kind of feel like meh after it. Like uh, even the MSG card. Um, you know, some bad d- judging at the end of it. Um, not MSG, the Orlando card. Uh, the whole card was amazing. A ton of finishes, but two bad judges decision. You feel meh after it, but... At the end of the day, it was a good card. Uh, you got to kind of replay it in your mind. And, and a card can last a long time, especially if it's a pay-per-view in Vegas or somewhere in person. If you're there for the fucking early prelims, man, it's a, it's a long day, especially if you've been drinking a few. Because um, I, I know I felt that way about the last UFC fight I went to. It was Israel Adesanya, Jared Cannonier. That was the ender. Um, Sean had the, the eye poke with uh, Pedro Munoz, no contest. So immediately after, I'm like, fuck, this sucked, right? But the rest of the card was amazing. Brad Tavares, du Duplassé. Uh, there were so many good fucking fights. It was a great night. So, it, you know, I feel that way about this card. Looking back, it was a great card. After the card, I kind of felt meh about it because the, the Sean Strickland thing, I thought they got the decision wrong. It was kind of a slower fight. Um, obviously, they had Demir way later in this card. They should have the cop fight up there. And um, Armin just wrestling Demir the whole time. It was kind of meh. But high-level UFC, high-level MMA, and 2023 is going to bring us some motherfucking fights, man. Stay tuned. The rebranding coming. Thanks for tuning in. Business in Buckets, episode 113. See you guys in 2023.